love for my children, so we might be here for a few more weeks. And uh, we had an idea, dads. Let's get a show of hands. I gotta, we want to do something for Father's Day. Would bacon and sausage and coffee and juice get the fathers here at 9.30? Yeah, we got a few, so maybe. I can't, but that, like a, a big bacon trough out there with sausage? Yeah. <laughs> I heard yes, so we might have to do that now, right? But, but that's what we're thinking. Um, the ladies and the moms got this cute little tea gift and thing. I don't know if we want a tea gift. Maybe we will. I don't know. But uh, bacon and sausage. Um, not to digress before I pray. My oldest daughter saw bacon in the fridge last night, like at 730. <laughs> and she's like, Dad, can I have bacon and eggs for breakfast? Yeah, you can. Here we go. It was pretty good, right? So bacon is a win-win. So um, let me pray. And uh, we'll announce a few things. And we'll get into this couple little verses that Jesus said we looked into last year. But we'll look at it again about forgiveness. Um, Father, help me and help us. Give us the grace to see the words of your son, the word himself, rightly and correctly. Give us the grace and the space to maybe run towards you, the forgiver of all of our sins, and work on the pains and the evils in many ways that have been done to us. Father, you are good. There is no evil in you. Help us see clearly that at times this world and even other humans in this world are too much to bear. And help us deal with this reality of forgiveness well. In Jesus' name, amen. A couple of housekeeping announcements and we'll get into it. Wednesday, June 7th, we're going to go down to Second Harvest. 6 to 8 p.m., we're going to sort food and do some work in the food bank. If you would like to come, I think there's 12 more spots only. We have three. Go see the welcome table. Sign up. We will meet there. We'll get you the information. It's right down off industrial. It's an easy uh, spot to find. It's a good time. We'll be with other volunteers. Other announcement, if you have any questions or inquiries about being baptized and you haven't, come talk to me. We will be doing a baptism June 4th here, our big baptismal. If you haven't seen it, come up after service. And uh, the Spanish church that we uh, rent our facility to in the afternoon, they'll be doing a baptismal as well. So we want to do it on one day because if I told you how many gallons it holds, you would say, thank goodness the drought's over. <laughs> okay, so we want to do that together. So come see me if you have any questions about... Uh, baptism or haven't been baptized, I'd love to talk to you about that. And last but not least, I know summer's coming, July 8th and July 22nd, we would like you to be here for one reason alone. On the 8th, our pews will be taken out. Everyone gasp. <sighs> I know, right? And we're going to need some manpower. We have some other gentlemen from uh, IB, the Spanish church as well, and some other folks. And then we're working on getting them shipped directly down south towards Mexico. We're kind of, there's some logistics involved there. That's the 8th. We've got to clear everything out. They will come in and take the asbestos tile out of our sanctuary. Everyone hold their breath for the next two weeks. Just kidding. Okay. And then another company will come in and polish up our floor, which will look beautiful. And then new seating will be coming back in on July 22nd. That's what we'll need you again. And we'll put the room back together and get everything back together. So July 8th, July 22nd. My back hurts, Dave. I can't lift much. We got a job for you. Don't worry. Okay. Okay. Let's get into the, the sermon here. Jesus uh, we studied this last year in detail, the Lord's Prayer. Many of you pray these verses as we should. And Jesus, in this teaching, in the Sermon on the Mount, he was simply probably answering some questions the close-knit disciples had, but also other people who were following him because it was a rabbinical tradition. If I was a rabbi, I would have disciples, and at some point I would teach them how to pray. I would. And Jesus teaches them how to pray. Our Father who art in heaven. We know this 
scripture. Many of us shy away from it sometimes because we think it's a ritual, right? But it's a prescription. And towards the end of this prayer recorded by Matthew, Matthew 6, verse 11, Jesus says this, Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us, verse 12, our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Matthew 6, 12, Matthew 6, 13, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. That should be somewhat familiar if you spend any time in and amongst churches, lots of churches. And like I said, Jesus may have been answering back as, upon the request. Luke doesn't use depths when he records it. Luke actually we won't go there, but when Luke records the Lord's Prayer, he records sins. Forgive us our sins. Because we as cynical people might go, yeah, I'm debt free. And Jesus didn't fully mean that in American Western debtness, right? But what was he getting at in this Matthew 6 and Luke and other accounts? What do we need forgiveness for is the question. Got a couple of things. Let's talk through it. I, I don't want to put it on you, but you're a human like me, so I need forgiveness I am indebted morally to God. Contrary to popular belief, I have not lived a perfectly moral life. Everyone gasp. Pastor, I'm a human. I've said things I shouldn't have said. I've thought things I shouldn't have thought. I've looked at things I shouldn't have looked at per se. And my morals aren't perfect. I'm indebted. I need forgiveness. I have also missed the mark, which is the legitimate Greek translation of sin. Missing the mark. I have missed the mark. I need forgiveness for that. And trespassing is overstepping boundaries. That can be a large scope, right? Anybody ever overstep their boundaries in any way? All of us, right? No. We have some honest folks in church. We have some, no, I'm kidding. These are the three things from the gospel accounts in the Lord's Prayer that we can understand that Jesus basically says, this is what you need forgiveness for. So I'm going to be there, as will you. So when we pray, Jesus instructs us to pray that God would forgive us, and then in turn, with that forgiveness, we would go out and forgive other people the way we've been forgiven. That message is simple, and in my minute estimation, the big church has screwed that up for almost 2,000 years, right? Because it's pretty simple, but we don't like it. Remember last week, why don't we like it when John recorded Jesus, Jesus commissioning his disciples and the great commission in John, go forgive people. Why don't we like that? Because we are afraid some humans who don't deserve forgiveness, we will actually what? Forgive. That's why we don't like it. Forgiveness as a concept, grace and forgiveness is the most beautiful thing this earth can understand or hear. And Jesus knows this. It is the Father's business. This is how he's ushering in the kingdom. This is how kingdom citizens, believers act. They forgive. Why do they forgive? Not because they should. They forgive because they've been what? Forgiven. You ever see a really good movie? I mean, really good. Don't tell me. We all have different opinions. But to you, have you seen the movie? What do you usually do? I got to text somebody now. 
you got to see this movie, Linda. And Linda's like, I don't really care. And we're like, no, you got to see this movie. Have you ever eaten at a really, really good restaurant? Do you keep that to yourself? No, there's Yelp. We should have thought of it. We'd be millionaires. You ever hear a really good song? You ever just send someone a song and say, you got to hear it? That's kind of a cool way to do it, too. Just buy it for them. That's cool on both levels, unless they hate it. <laughs> but even if you hate it, don't tell them. Just say thank you. My point is, we as Christians, when we receive that sweet taste of forgiveness, we are commissioned then to go forgiveness. And not simply telling people that I've been forgiven. Good news. To simply go and do what? Forgive people. That's where the rubber meets the what? Road. So Jesus is digging in, and we know this, and this is hard for us human beings. I've tried to tell you three things which sin is and which we need forgiveness for. Let me tell you what I don't believe sin. Let me say it this way. Let me tell you what sin is not. Sin is not simply not living up to a commandment. We like that in America. It's very linear. It's pragmatic. It's systematic. We get our spreadsheets out and we do our things, right? Sin is not not living up to a commandment. Sin is not simply not meeting the mark. All sin is personal offense because it offends someone personally. First and foremost, the Godhead, the personal being of God, the Son, the Father, the Holy Spirit, the triune nature of God. When we sin, it's personal. We also sin against other human beings, right? If I were to cheat on my wife, I would not simply be breaking one of the Ten Commandments and not simply not obeying Jesus' teaching in Matthew 6, I would be personally warring and sinning against her, personally. That's the difference. I can stay out in theory and pragmatism out here if I'm just not making it up to commandment. No, I've offended her deeply, and I've personally sinned against her. And God, David, says that in the Old Testament. So that's where sin, those are the things that we need to dig into with forgiveness. It's not abstract theory. It's not political theory. It's not positional theory. There's human beings involved, amen? And that's why being hurt hurts so much. And forgiveness, I'm here to tell you, I know, is so darn difficult, it needs divine grace, amen? We need help from on high to forgive someone. So Jesus is saying, this is how we should pray, and this is how I want you to live, and this is part of the abundant life, and this is the truth that will set you free, and all the things that we know Jesus to be about the kingdom of the Father's business, this is how he closes his prayer. Forgiveness cannot be impersonal. It's rather personal reconciliation. We are personally reconciled to the person of God through the cross, and then we are commissioned to personally offer forgiveness to real people. That's where it gets hard. <laughs> it gets real hard. But Jesus is with us. He is walking with us. He's saying, follow me. Just a, a show of hands, not in a religious way. How many of you think our world that we live in knows it's broken? I do. And I'll tell you why. I'm going to try and persuade you. 
I think our world and the governments know they're broken, but they just don't know what to do about it. That's why we see so much political angst around the world and military prowess and all the money going to education, which education is wonderful, but it doesn't offer forgiveness. Sometimes education actually gives us more ammo, right? My own personal heart. I get smarter and then I go, oh, here we go. Come on, let's fight. Education is very important. We should want to educate ourselves and the world. But the way our world works globally, retribution and vengeance is far more prevalent than forgiveness, right? And Jesus is teaching and ushering the kingdom to go, no more. Stop. And he's the ultimate example. As I see some of your eyes getting big, but we'll go to our Savior in a moment, and hopefully we're overwhelmed, and then he will give us the grace to walk in this way, and it can be a lifetime. Another generalization pastor will make, if you forgive someone, you will suffer. Sorry, I love you. But if we enter into this realm of forgiveness, we will suffer. Why? Because we are modeling not unto Calvary and death, we are modeling the teachings and life of Jesus Christ. Jesus went to the cross to forgive and ultimately suffered. Then he told us, and it's kind of makes sense if we go here and see the kingdom moving and working. Now, dear saints, pick up your cross and follow me in this life, in this way, in this new living kingdom. Why will you suffer if you forgive? If Debray forgives, he receives the blow and he receives the pain and does not retaliate. That's why he suffers. Just like his Savior on the cross received the blow, received the punch, received everything, and said from on Calvary, Father, forgive them. And didn't say what? Gabriel, it's your time. Bring them all in. Bring the F-16s in right now. Let's do away with these people. That was some of the suffering in Calvary. The righteous one, the holy one, the perfect one suffered on our behalf. And Isaiah 53 said what? Like a lamb led, led to the slaughter, he kept his mouth. And we say hallelujah. Because if he opened his mouth, I probably wouldn't know any of you because this world would have been obliterated. And here's the hard part. He's the only one worthy of obliterating the world if you wanted to. <laughs> Dave Johnson is not. And you should all say, amen. Let me hear it. No, I'm not. This world would be gone a long time ago, and I'd be somewhere I shouldn't be, or who knows. But if we choose, and this is the hard part, church. I love you, so I'll say it. If we choose to walk into forgiveness and offer reconciliation, we will suffer. Because in some ways, we will be treated unjustly. But hear me, church. Paul would say, that is an opportunity for joy and grace because I get a fellowship with him in a different way than just reading my Bible. Not to put a mark on reading your Bible, we should do it. But when I choose to enter into this and when I choose to suffer in the arena of forgiveness and wanting reconciliation, even though it's hard, I get to be like him and he meets me and he sustains me. And you might have a dream, I don't know. You might have an amazing quiet time. I don't know. You might have a prayer time where you get it. And you will receive supernatural grace to identify in him when the world says what? Weakness. Ashley, you're weak for forgiving. 
And what does Jesus say to Ashley? Okay, maybe, but I will meet you with my strength and power, and I will vindicate you in the gospel. And you're mine. And the proper perspective says, even though we only see with these eyes, you can have the world. I want that. And so that's what Jesus, that's how the kingdom is lived out. And so it is a difficult task to forgive. It is a bold, it's almost like, not to disparage the church, for those of you who know what this is, it's almost like SEAL Team 6 Christianity. It's covert in the church, by the way, and I work at a church. I mean big church. The posture of forgiveness and grace and humility, I'll get to this as I end my sermon, is covert because we are a byproduct of a revolution and a reformation. That's where we stand. American Revolution and Christian Reformation, we'll get there as we end, but that's, who, that's our DNA, church. <laughs> so if that's what we're born from, what do we lean towards? Revolt? <laughs> and ah, let's do it. And so we'll get there at the end. Let me not, that's the punchline, by the way, so you can leave if you want to. Just kidding. <laughs> Don't leave yet, just yet. Look at Palm Sunday and Good Friday. We just went through it. Palm Sunday? Yeah. Get the Romans. I want to see them burn. I've been listening to the Hamilton uh, soundtrack because I have a teenage daughter. It's wonderful. I offer the clean version. We have the clean version. It gets a little, you know, but that's okay. The music and everything is wonderful. But there's this song where this woman is found out she's been cheated on. And the title of the song is Burn. I get that. No, I get that. Like, it go, it's beautiful the way it goes through it. And at the end, she's like, I hope you burn. Like, I get that. That's my heart if I was ever cheated on in that way. But the cross and the gospel says what? Leave that unto the what? Lord, walk with me through the hardest time in your life in forgiveness and grace. I will deal with that child. I want to deal with you. And so that's why all these things kind of come together. Jesus was very serious. Can you go to 14 and 15, guys? I think that's the one. I'm kind of skipping around on them. But when it percolates in your head for a few days, you kind of. This is Jesus' Jesus comments on his prayer. Don't take what I say about Jesus' prayer with literally a grain of salt. This, I would encourage you as your fellow human to look at. Because <laughs> Jesus simply says what? Here it is. I've laid it out. If you do, you will receive. Theologically, that can get messy because we talk about only faith. only Yeah, all that's true. But then he talks about this. The hard part, even in this, is can you go back to maybe 13? Jesus has been talking in plurals, right? Isn't it much easier to like sit as a church of 80 or 90 or 100 people and go, yeah, f forgive us and we'll forgive them. Doesn't that sound cute? Yeah, forgive them and they'll forgive us. But then go to that other verse, Kim 14. And then he goes to singular and he starts talking to us individually. I know it's grammatically. What about this prayer? As we pray, and I hope you pray, I hope you pray and ask for forgiveness. I hope you are praying in a posture of forgiving others.
What if we prayed like this? Father in heaven, I ask you that you would forgive me in the same way you see me forgiving others. That's a good prayer. I borrowed it. It's an old prayer, common book of prayer, 460 years old. That's a good prayer, right? That's the heart of the closing in this section on teaching on prayer. Father, forgive me and really empower me as I forgive others to have the grace to know that you are forgiving me and let me go be salt and light. And John, just like we saw in John, to teach and preach forgiveness. Forgiveness. Let me quickly try and give you the punchline. If you aren't aware, America was founded on a revolution. There were things like taxation without representation for you history buffs. And why is all our money going to that king? And he's not even over here. And a lot of things happen in God's providence, both good and bad. And we were, became our own country. And that spirit has always reigned true. If you're not sure about Protestantism, it started with a protest, i.e. Protestantism. And a lot of things were going on in the church that really shouldn't have been. And most of the Reformation was amazing. Some things got weird because men were men. Let's just say it that way, right? Ladies, you're good, but men were men. So our evangelical culture, we are evangelicals. I know that's a weird word sometimes. In America, in the West, our DNA is on revolution and protest. That's where we come from. What could possibly go wrong? <laughs> I mean, what could possibly go wrong with us? I'll speak for me, me as a human. What could go wrong? I was born in the 70s, lived through the 80s, great place when a house was still $100,000 in San Mateo, everyone gasped, and all those fun things in gas. My first gallon of gas was 69 cents. Yes, I'm old, all these things. And in the Reformation, leaders were called by God, we believe, to reform the church because things were wrong. And the Protestant movement began, protesting. So for the last 500 years, the Western church, us part of the West, has been on a big airplane. Imagine the nicest airplane you could ever imagine. What are they now, seven, seven, sevens? I don't know, are they, is that them? Luxurious. Cruising through the air, doing our thing. We land. I think of Amsterdam, because the first time I landed in that airport, it was like a maze to me. I'm like, whoa. And we've landed, and the plane is refueling, and this is where I hope this metaphor or analogy comes full circle. We, in our lifetime, in the West, with breath in our lungs and neurons firing in our brains, we have a choice how we see the teachings of Jesus and the kingdom of God, and we get to walk in a way in which we think is biblical. That's where I'm going. So we just got off the plane. Some of us have been on the plane for 70 years. Some of us just got, just got on the plane last week. It was like a military operation. We got on the plane, right? And we land. And now we're walking around a strange terminal. And there's pretzels and coffee and all this stuff that there is. And we're kind of talking to each other, go, okay, this is new. And some of us are frustrated with our flight. <laughs> some of us didn't like the meal. Some of us didn't like the captain or the pilot, whatever you want to say. Some of us didn't like the movie, the entertainment. And some of us knew our bags were lost, amen? Our, our bags are gone. And we're in a strange land, in a strange airport, and we can choose. 
And there's a couple of choices. This plane is refueling. And this plane will take off again as a whole, not to give it away. And its de destination again is protest. Protest. Going to get back in the air and going to cruise around. And we're kind of going to do the same stuff we've done. That's fine. But protest is the name of the airline, okay? Who wants to hold that up? Sam? She's like, oh, geez, why did you do that? But maybe looking at the teachings of Jesus and the scriptures and knowing our hearts and knowing our Father and having this angst in us and saying, okay, I know that's good and there's a lot of good things about that and that's how I was raised and I don't want to throw out my doctrine and theology, all those things are good, but the culture and the fact that there's so much protest and so much no, 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 this way, this way, and all these things, it doesn't always reconcile with my heart when I read Jesus. There's got to be a different way. Not that that way's heretical, that's just the way we've been on. That's our DNA. Revolution and protest makes us if we don't like it, Right? And I think the other airline, which we got to get on one of those, I hate those things. When you get on Terminal C and you got to go to Terminal F and you got to ride that train and you got to do all, and then who knows, and then what's going on. But that's out there because we know it's out there because our Lord taught about it. There's a way, airline of forgiveness. Edith, since you spoke, you want to hold that one up? And that one's scary. And I don't know what the seats look like. And I don't even know if we get fed. And who knows if they have a movie, but I know it's founded and it's commissioned on forgiveness. And so my heart as an early 40s pastor is most of our young folks and the rest of us would see the differences and not throw out the baby with the bathwater, but realize where we've come from and then maybe say, I want to take and we want to take and we want to be a people on this corner who are known for forgiveness. What changes the world, by the way? Historians would argue that. Yes? What changes people? Individual lives. Every time. And I want to say this. Thank you for having an arm workout. Ladies, that was good, right? Thank you. Forgiveness offered and reconciliation are two different things. Our charge as kingdom people is no matter how hard it is, is by the grace of God to walk and offer forgiveness. Jesus Christ on the cross said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Did he specifically say that to 300 people on Golgotha? Maybe. I'm going to hold to. He said that for the whole world. That's what I'm going to hold to. Forgiveness is offered Reconciliation doesn't happen until what? The offending party with an offer of forgiveness, that's the change of the world, not wrath and malice and vengeance, says, Luke 15, prodigal son, I've blanked up. I'm a fool. I've hurt people. Now, some people will never do this, so walk, hear me in this church, and that's hard. I will repent, turn back to God, and receive forgiveness and a close embrace. That's reconciliation. That's what all human beings are required to do to receive salvation from God. To turn away, to receive forgiveness, 
and feel the embrace of their father. And then we are in that moment, you know, being born again, being saved, whatever we want to say, then we, I'll say sit with Jesus and learn about Jesus and read about Jesus and come around to other Christians. And then we begin to walk in his way to take up our crosses individually and collectively and follow him. And it's all founded on what? Not merely protest. The gospel is founded on forgiveness. What does Jesus say? <laughs> Those with much to be forgiven of often forgive the what? Most. Now when you've been hurt and when sin has been committed against you and you've done everything in your heart to forgive them and they still are, I'll say evil, at least their actions, God will meet you there. It's not on you personally to make sure they're reconciled to God, Amen. It's on us to try and model the teachings of Jesus. And I believe maybe over long seasons and lots of hard work, his truth will set you free. That looks different for all of us, right? It's nice to have a short memory when we're sinned against. It's rare though, amen? Forgiveness. I hope that our church takes that platform and on that airplane, like I said, I hope the people of San Carlos and the surrounding communities go, they're a little crazy, but man, they're marked by forgiveness and grace. And when we come up against them, we're forgiven. And that hurts me. That's what it's. Proverbs, Psalms, Ecclesiastes actually say that if in our snarkiness, not that we don't want to be snarky, and sometimes we want to be snarky, right? A little bit? No, I'm kidding. Pastor didn't say that. Timmy, strike that from the record. Kindness and mercy is like heaping coals over someone who knows they've what? Screwed up. Forgiveness, folks, it's brutal. I'm with you. As a pastor, I will try and walk with you in it. As a pastor, I commit to you and your family, if we need to get extra resources to walk in it, we'll do it together, amen? As a pastor, there are people in our church that have walked through these avenues and can help us. Why don't we stand if you can? It's already, it's real hot in here, I know. We're going to pray. I'm going to pray for the grace and mercy that the Lord could use us to be beacons of salt and light and forgiveness where he has us. Because as we've known, we have been forgiven of so much and that truly is water to a dry throat, which I have. Baptisms, two weeks, come talk to me. Let's pray. Father, help us walk this message out to these streets to our families, to uh, our places of work. Father, I pray for the hearts in this room that have been hurt deeply, maybe even too deeply to speak about, that you in grace would grant them the love and mercy to forgive and begin to forgive. Father, those who are doing that, even though it might be a process, sustain them. And Father, for those of us who need to heed the call of forgiveness and turn and reconcile with you or with others. Give us the grace to do that as well. Father, bless us and keep us as we go. Be gracious to us all the days of our life. We thank you for this day. In Jesus' name, amen.